You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 306 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, April 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find, of course, links to every single episode. Also, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke. And you can find those all together, neatly organized for your listening pleasure on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Um, if you find a show that you like, make sure you subscribe, rate, review. Uh, and we're not just NBA. We have the Locked On NFL channel. If you want to check out any pre-draft stuff, all the teams are covered from a local angle by all the different hosts. And there's the Locked On NFL Draft, the national show as well that you can check out. And if you're a baseball fan, particularly in Toronto, you can check out Locked On Blue Jays, which should be getting going very soon here. Uh, the guys from JaysFromTheCouch.com are taking over that um, sort of as a, a group undertaking. So make sure you check out Locked On Blue Jays. Um, and I'm sure you'll hear some cross promotion between the two shows uh in the future all right uh you know do the same thing i ask you all the time rate review the, the podcast on itunes the ratings and reviews are what we live on and the algorithm appreciates it and all that stuff so please uh thanks in advance for taking the time to rate and review locked on raptors on itunes it very much helps we're on stitcher spotify all the different places you can find podcasts and itunes as well of course all right, on today's show, I wasn't going to have a show because I posted the trivia episode earlier today, but it felt kind of weird to not have one with these two games coming up against the Cavaliers and Celtics. So this is, I guess, like a upcoming impending death gauntlet of games mailbag. Uh, I solicited some questions, so I'm going to rifle through a few here. It's not going to be a super long podcast. If you ask a question that I don't get to, I apologize. Some of them are kind of long. It would require more time. I don't have that much time because I'm a dumb idiot and decided at Christmas I was going to buy by my girlfriend's dad and her and her grandpa's tickets to go see the Blue Jays uh, with myself uh, for today's game. And I did not really look at the schedule, didn't really think that the Raptors were a thing at that point. It was April, it was really far away. So I'm at the Blue Jays tonight, so I won't be watching Raptors-Cavs live. I'll have to catch up on the PVR. And, uh, you know, that might be not the worst thing if they end up losing and there's a giant fan base meltdown. But uh, So I won't have a quick reaction podcast for that tonight or anything like that. But tomorrow against Boston... After the game against Boston, I'll have a podcast from the ACC. We can kind of touch on both games depending on what happens. And, uh, yeah, so that'll be that. But So that's just kind of my plans for the next two days, just in case you were wondering if there's no podcast in the morning. That is why I'm at the Blue Jays, because I don't look at calendars or make use of them, because I'm an idiot. Either way, let's get to your mailbag questions here. Uh, first one here comes from uh, Josh Kern, at Joshua Kern. Other than, quote, make shots, what can the Raptors do to counter the Zel- the Celtics zone should they use it again? So we talked about this a bit with John Corrales on Saturday or Sunday morning, and this is a very important question. Maybe not so important as it maybe seems right now because I just don't think the Raptors and Celtics are going to come across each other in the playoffs. It seems pretty unlikely. Um, it, just with the seeding of them both 1-2 and the Celtics not having Kyrie and the Raptors, who knows what's going to happen with them. Um, the Cavs looming there. I just feel like it's very unlikely going to be unlikely to be a conference finals matchup. So beyond tomorrow's game, it probably isn't going to matter all that much as a matchup thing. But... Uh, it is an interesting question. Should the Celtics bust it out again tomorrow uh, on Wednesday against uh, against the Raptors? I mean, 
there are lots of you know problems that that presents. The Raptors are so dependent on their guys who can drive. Obviously, Kyle Lowry hasn't done it quite to the extent as he has in the past, but DeMar DeRozan gets so much of his bread uh, driving the basket and sort of making teams negotiate where they're going to sort of challenge him, where they're going to let him you know, have his shots. And his passing this season has been so vastly improved, and a lot of that comes from that. And when you're in a zone, like the Celtics are running, it's really hard to get any sort of penetration. And the way to break it down is by bombing threes. And the Raptors... As much as they're a high-volume three-point shooting team and they can get hot on the right night and really burn a team for going to a zone, they're not going to kill you every single night. Like, you're not getting the Popeyes promotion with 12 threes every time the Raptors come out and play. Um, you know, they're going to have games like they had on Saturday where they go 8 of 35. And that, obviously, a big part of that was C.J. Miles playing one of the worst games any human has ever played. Um, it was just such a comically bad game from him and going 0 for 5 with just some awful misses mixed in there. Uh, that That's going to play into it. And Kyle Lowry going whatever it was two of ten or two of nine whatever he was from deep like that's if those two guys aren't going then you're sort of looking at a disadvantage because so much of your volume of threes are coming from those two and you're counting on guys like DeLon Wright or Fred Van Vliet or or Serge Ibaka to sort of be that next wave of three-point shooters and those guys are inherently inconsistent outside of maybe Fred Um, but even Fred he's not doing a lot of off the dribble stuff he's sort of reliant on a lot of you know getting stuff thrown to him in the corner and catch and shoot stuff as well so it's uh, it, The zone presents a lot of problems because it kind of attacks the basis of what the Raptors like to run their offense on. Um, I think there are ways around it, and there were a couple of moments late in that game where the Raptors sort of started to figure it out, and I think if they were to you know come across them in a series, I feel like it's something the Raptors could figure out. Uh, and getting Kyle Lowry off, you know, off the... Sh- off the catch looks are is really important and they ran a play late in that game they had Kyle sort of run along the baseline I think it was either Serge or Pascal set a screen for him Kyle popped to the corner and got a wide open three look three point look there and that was very encouraging it was a nice example of breaking down the zone and getting Kyle going is going to be a way to sort of make teams make the decision if they're going to play a zone uh, if Kyle's bombing threes then you can't really you know negotiate that you can't live with that you have to sort of switch up your approach if that's going to happen so um I feel like there will be situations where the Raptors will sort of break apart that zone a little bit quicker if other guys are hot or whatever. They have enough shooters. You can put an all-shooting lineup on the court if you really want to. Obviously, the Celtics are going really big in that game, and you can kind of run into the issue of are you going to get rebounded by a really enormous lineup up against, say, Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam, or Serge Ibaka, CJ Miles at the 4-5, and five, uh, or 5-4 and four respectively, I guess. Um, like, that's an issue, but... I think there's enough shooting, and I think the little plays they ran to sort of get guys moving off the ball and sort of popping around that zone for threes, I think that's probably the way to do it. There's no other way to really go better, I don't think. Um, Maybe just sort of spreading things out, not having a guy like Jonas on the court, having just like a a smaller interior where there's less lanes to be clogged, that could be helpful. Um, And like, if you're going to dive into the middle of the zone, if you can kind of get... Say you have Surge at the five, or even Pascal at the five, someone like that. Say you go super small, and you have Demar sort of cutting into the into the, the teeth of the defense. You're going to draw help. You're going to draw you know members of the zone sort of collapsing down, and that's where Demar's passing, I think, can come in. So there are ways to do it. Maybe the lineup construction needs to be a little smaller, a little bit more spry and shooty. But um, I feel like over the course of a series, or even more than just like a three minute part of a game, I feel like the Raptors could probably figure it out because there's a reason more teams don't go with zone because once you kind of figure it out, it's kind of figured out. Um, and it only works really if guys are, are not super hot from three, and that can happen with the Raptors. But I don't think it should be an enormous concern because they've been, you know, a middle of the road accuracy team and a high volume team all season from three. All right, next question. Let's get to this one here from Robert Flom at Rich Hobie Flom. Uh, after LeBron and Kevin Love, who is the Cavalier who scares you most? 
This is an interesting question because no one particularly scares me after those two on the Raptors, uh, on the Cavs, and even Kevin Love. I think his presence, while if he's playing center and at the five, like that's terrifying. I think the Raptors this season with Serge Ibaka, with Pascal Siakam, have ways they can counter that um, and sort of go small with the Cavs and not lose too much on the glass or anything like that. Um, but Le- obviously LeBron is LeBron, and he makes everybody terrifying to a certain extent. I'd say probably George Hill, just because we've seen you know in playoffs past that Pacers series a couple seasons ago. He's such a good on-ball defender. He really sort of troubles Kyle Lowry, and when he's he's one of those guys that if he's spotting up around LeBron James and shooting 40% from three, or in the case of the last game, 100% from three, uh, that's deadly because you know anytime the, the Cavs can mesh offense and defense at the court on the court at the same time that's going to be you know just, just really tough to overcome because right now the Cavs are the kind of team that you know when their best offensive lineups are on the court they're very prone defensively uh when their best defensive lineups are out there they're not a great offensive team outside of LeBron doing LeBron things um so when you have a guy like George Hill and you know potentially a guy like Rodney Hood as well who can kind of fit that mold although his defense is not quite to the level of George Hill's um anytime you can get a two-pronged threat both offensively and defensively on the court for the Cavs and a guy in particular who can just bomb threes and guard the the most important players on the Raptors effectively that's scary and I think you you just got to watch the seven game series against the Pacers a couple seasons ago to see exactly why I would say that Larry Nance playing center uh, maybe he's a little bit scary I'm not exactly sure I'd be that terrified because I think the Raptors can kind of go and throw you know if you're not going to get burned by Larry Nance shooting threes you can kind of bomb you you can throw Jonas out there and kind of deal with that and sort of go toe toe for toe you know maybe Lance maybe Larry Nance is like a lob threat or a, 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 or a dive man, but if they're funneling their offense towards Larry Nance, I think you're happy. So um, he's a contender, but I think for pretty clearly it's George Hill. And uh, peak George Hill, as we've seen in the past, is a, is a nightmare for the Raptors to deal with. Uh, next question here kind of ties, ties into the zone question, and I think it's a good one from our friend Adithia. Been on the podcast a few times. Are you concerned about teams just packing the paint against, some, uh, against the bench come playoff time? That's uh, it's very much a, a possibility, right? Like the the Raptors we saw against the Celtics on Saturday. There are certain players who are just not going to be top of mind for defenses, and Pascal Siakam really fit into that. I saw a number that Pascal Siakam's crunch time net rating is like the worst on the team, and that that might not be totally accurate, but it's not very good. I don't have the number off the top of my head. Uh, might have been Josh Lewenberg who tweeted it out or something like that, but um, Pascal Siakam has not been good in crunch time, and maybe that lends you know, some credence to the idea that if you just leave him alone, that's not going to be all that you know damaging for your for your defense. Um, you know, Pascal's hit a few threes of late. I don't think we're anywhere near, and we're not going to get to that point this season. We're teams are going to respect his three-point shot. The one thing with Pascal is he has gotten much better as a playmaker on the drive, and you know if he can sort of take the extra space that teams are giving him and sort of barrel into guys, try to draw fouls, or just barrel into guys, draw help, and then you know kick out from there, that's a potential, or like look for, for dump-offs to other big men. Like that, That's a potential way to get around it with Pascal in particular. Um, but no, I do think there will be times, and the Cavs will be a, a series like that where maybe he can't be out there at all times, or if he is, you have to have four shooters out there with him, or at the very least you know Kyle CJ and and Serge Ibaka so you have your best three-point shooters on the court with him to sort of offset it um, because that could be a concern we've seen it you know time and time again the last few years in the playoffs teams that have bad shooters are going to get exposed for that Um, and against certain teams I'm not sure it's going to matter very much like the Bucks. 
the Raptors are going to have things that can be exploited. I just think the Raptors are on a different level talent-wise and also just like identity-wise than, say, the Bucks are. The Heat, I don't think their offense can really hang. So even if you're losing a bit of offense by, you know, having Pascal get sat on or totally slept on on the, on the offensive end of the floor, I still think you have enough firepower to overcome that. And, like, it's not like Pascal, as good as Pascal, and we've sung his praises on this podcast so much, he doesn't have to be in the regular rotation either. I mean, there will be certain times where his defense is going to be so necessary that you have to have him out there. But there are also going to be certain matchups, like, say, against, like, Philly in the second round, where maybe Pascal doesn't really fit in. It's a bigger series anyway. Maybe you'll want Jonas and Serge out there. Jonas did a pretty decent job on Joel Embiid this season, um, and maybe you can kind of get by there. And this is sort of the thing with the Raptors' depth and their bench is that I don't know if the Raptors are just going to be able to, you know— roll out 12 guys or 11 guys like they have all season long and the hockey changes might have to go away a little bit and the bench is still very good don't get me wrong and this is not like a new thing the Raptors bench has not been the best offensive lineup in the half court all season long they're they really eat when they get out and run and gun and sort of get in transition and make offense off of defense right that's kind of where they're at their best they've never been this great sort of break a team down in the half court and get open shot after open shot kind of unit um, and obviously when things slow down in the playoffs if the if the pace slows like that obviously is going to be a hindrance to that lineup creating offense but um, I, I don't think we, ha- we have to necessarily see the hockey change lineups, right? We can see Kyle Lowry play with some bench guys to add in some more shooting and just talent to those units. We can see, um, you know, DeMar DeRozan or maybe even like, uh, you know, see Serge Ibaka. Like, I don't know. We'll see mix and matching, I think, is what I'm trying to say. And there will be certain series where maybe Pascal does kind of fall out of the rotation because there's not a defensive assignment that really requires his talents. Um, same could go for OG. Same could even go for DeLon Wright. The Raptors can pair their rotation down to seven or eight guys who you can say are pretty reliable shooters Um, and I think that's probably enough for what the Raptors purposes are going to be if the East were you know more stacked and a little more terrifying and the Cavs were last year's Cavs then these would be sort of fatal flaws I think for the team but I just don't think the East is as good as it's been in the past and I think even some flaws will be able to sort of get you through um, if you get certain performances from Kyle Lowry for example who was very healthy and playing very well up until Sunday's game against the Celtics and and Demar had a fantastic game Saturday that should be encouraging for everybody um, like the then Surge looks really good as well too right now so I I just think the the while there are fatal flaws and ways you can attack this team I think there will be enough ways and the Raptors have enough interchangeability with their lineups we've seen it all season where we have no really set data on any lineups more than the starters in the bench because they can kind of play every way they want and they can kind of mix and match and, and sort of experiment and it's hard to sort of you know sometimes you're going to stumble on something that really works sometimes it won't work like Jakob Pertl, Jonas Valanciunas together in the front court in the last game that was a disaster but um, I think there's enough interchangeability that you can kind of work around a lot of these issues for the Raptors there's enough sort of ways you can slide guys in and out and while there's maybe not like an amazing you know I think the one major fatal flaw that will have sort of be the downfall if it's to come will be the lack of like a defender who you can stick on LeBron not be a LeBron stopper by any means but like try to give him at least some trouble the Raptors don't really have that guy right now at all and I think that could kind of end up being an issue against certain teams but um, in, in particular Cleveland but 
Uh, I guess get to that bridge when you come to it, and that's going to be an issue for every team in the league. So while there are issues, while there are ways you can approach them, uh, I think the Raptors have enough on hand in terms of depth, in terms of interchangeability, in terms of different skills among the guys they have that they should be able to overcome most hurdles uh, in these playoffs, uh, and and we'll see how far that takes you. If it were at West, if they were at West, I feel like I'd be a lot less confident, but I, I think in this conference that they have enough to get by. Uh, next question here from ba, 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 only got a couple left from Matt Sha- Matt Schantz, Uh Which Celtic tries the hardest? I mean, it's probably Marcus Smart when he's healthy. He's very annoying when he's healthy. Um, and I guess Terry Rozier is kind of in that category now too. He's super. I mean, they all try really hard, and the Celtics are super frustrating. And uh, here's hoping they tried so hard on the first night of their back-to-back tonight against Milwaukee that they have nothing left left to give tomorrow night. Um, doubt that happens, but uh, you can dream, I suppose. Um, but yeah, all the Celtics. I think it's a tie between all of them. They all try really, really hard. Uh, let's get to one more here. This one comes from Midlife Vertical at 40 and dunking. Will Kyle Lowry still be drunk at the start of tonight's game from celebrating Villanova's NCAA and bonus NCAA win? And bonus question, will Lowry still be legally drunk at the start of tomorrow night's game? Uh, <laughs> people are probably going to make an issue out of this if the Raptors lose tonight. Don't. Kyle Lowry's an adult. He's a, he's a man of, of adulthood. He can go watch Villanova play if he wants. I don't really care. The Raptors, yes, they're in a race for a one seed, blah, 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 blah. These guys are entitled to stuff on their own free time. And if it, the team allowed it, then I don't really care. Um, so get that narrative out of your head immediately. And he'll probably play well tonight anyway. But yeah, uh, he might still be... I mean, he could still be drunk. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently it was pretty... Uh, uh, interesting this morning at shoot around was only answering questions about Villanova being the the kind of I don't want to say he's an asshole but kind of the the very Kyle Lowry type of asshole where it's it's like an endearing asshole but still an asshole nonetheless <laughs> but that uh, that was going on this morning I guess with Kyle Lowry it'll be fine I wouldn't worry about it too much um, and uh, I'm excited to see how he plays against the Cavs tonight he usually plays pretty well against Cleveland so uh, we'll, we'll see and uh, that's good, probably going to do it for me today. I've talked enough. I've talked fast enough. Um, and I don't really have a lot of time because i got to get to the Blue Jays game once again that I uh, said that I was going to go to because I'm uh, silly and don't know how to manage my time or look ahead on the schedule. Um, but hope you enjoy the game tonight. Uh, thanks for anyone who sent in questions. Sorry if I didn't get to your questions. Sorry if I breezed through some of these. Um, but uh, I was glad I could get a podcast up anyway. And uh, enjoy the game tonight. Here's hoping things don't go terribly. Here's hoping Raptors Twitter doesn't melt down like it has over the last few weeks. And uh, get jacked up for the game tomorrow against the Celtics. I'll be at that game. I'll do a Facebook Live before the game. And I'll have a bunch on the go. So make sure you're tuning in on Facebook around 7 o'clock. Or 7.30, I guess, because it's an 8 o'clock start tomorrow. And uh, I'll written recap and all that stuff as well. So uh, thanks so much. And uh, subscribe, rate, review of the podcast on iTunes, as always. It's very easy and very helpful for you to do. And uh, until next time, have a good one, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you again later on Locked on Raptors.